Okay. So if you've got a Bible, what, hey, what book are we going to be in tonight? Yeah, I know. Hey, I forgot to put everything on the screen tonight, so you're going to have to actually open the Bible and, and read along that way. Um, so we're going to be in 1 John. So as we start that, um, I want to ask you guys, I want you to finish this statement. You ready? God is sovereign, love, merciful, what's that? Just. Great, grand, Jesus, okay, what'd you say, holy, yeah, absolutely, anything else, that's a really good answer so far, the reason I ask you guys that question is because there are a lot of characteristics, there's a lot of words we can use to describe God, and we find them all throughout scripture, but the one that we're going to focus on tonight is one that you said because it's the one that the author of 1 John is focusing on. And it's the idea of love. God is love. Now, as we get into this tonight, we're going to see how that's explained a little bit more. But before we do that, when we study a book, we have some questions that we walk through to make sure we know kind of where we're coming from, what's going on. So let's start with an easy one. Who do we believe wrote the book of 1 John? John. Why do we think that? Because his name's on it? Yes, because people who have studied the Bible, that's absolutely right. The book of 1 John, along with the book of 2 John and 3 John, and, hold on, I'm getting there. You're right, though. They're actually anonymous. So when you, when you go back and do the research, there, there's no one person that says, hey, I wrote that. But as scholars... People who have studied it have gone through and looked at the other books like Revelation. And what's the other book? John. John, thank you. So when they've looked at those books, they've seen that 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, in the writing style and the phrases that are used, there's a lot of similarities between John and Revelation and those three books. So scholars believe that John wrote these books as well. When do we believe that it was written? Long time ago. 90 to 95 AD, somewhere in that time frame. Who was it written to? Not originally. Who's, yeah, it was written to believers, to Christians, to, to a church, to people who, who were following Jesus. And what's the main idea that we see in this book? Truth, obedience, and love. You were right on track there. Truth, obedience, and love. As we've walked through this book, those three things keep coming up over and over and over. And tonight, love is the one that keeps coming up and the one that we're going to focus on. And do you remember why he wrote this book? Two reasons. To warn and encourage. He wanted to encourage them to continue to pursue Jesus, pursue what they knew to be true, what they had learned about God. But he also wanted to warn them because there were people who were coming into the church and they, they were changing what Scripture said about Jesus. They were changing what Scripture taught about who He was. And as people began to believe those changes, they didn't really have a good understanding of Scripture. They were believing lies. So He was trying to warn them so they would not do that. Because if they believe that stuff, then they start to have bad theology. And theology is the way that we understand God. And if you've got bad theology, then you can't really follow God. 
So that was a big problem that he was trying to address. So tonight I'm going to ask you to stand like we always do in honor of the reading of God's word. And I got Mr. Colby. Where you at, Colby? Come on up here, Colby. Colby's going to read our passage for us and pray. We get that wireless mic ready? Yes, perfect. What's that? You're going to talk into that one right there. Yeah. Unless you want to talk into this one, but it's really weird. Four. First John four, verses seven through twelve. Beloved, let us love another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because love is love, and this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be Propitiation. <laughs> Keep going. Whatever that word is. For our sinners. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and is and his love is perfected in us. You pray for us? I pray. Um, you got uh, thank for this day and let us all get here safely. And uh, please uh, help Pastor Jesse do uh, our sermon. And uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, for Amen. Amen. All right, y'all give it up, Mr. Colby. <laughs> thank you, sir. Hey, that is a big word, so I, I get that right there. All right, well let's let's just jump right back into it, okay? Let's start over with verses seven and eight. John writes, "Beloved." Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So you see that word over and over again in those first two verses, just the word love. What John is saying is that as believers, as Christians, as people who say they're disciples of Jesus, our lives should be marked by love. Which, which we say probably not a problem, right? I mean, how many people say you, you, you love every day? I mean, do you love your family? Maybe your brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Not quite so high on that one. Okay. How many of you love chocolate cake or cookies or your pets? So, so you're familiar with the word. You know what love means in the idea that you use it. But here's the issue. What, what John is saying here in verse 7 is he's not using the word love the way that we use the word love. He's talking about this idea that love is from God and whoever loves, he says, they've been born of God. Now, that's a, that's a very powerful and a very exclusive statement that John is making there. Because he's making, love, he's making that, that word love, he's not using it in the context we use it, like, hey, I love my family, I love my pets, I love chocolate chip cookies, all of these things that, that we say we love, that's not the kind of love that he's talking about. He's talking about something much greater than the way we tend to use that word. In the context that he's using it here, he's talking about the fact that God is love, and God shows love. And we as disciples, if you've truly experienced forgiveness and salvation of your sin through Jesus Christ, then the result is the love of God in your life pours out to other people. 
That as you experience the love that God lavishes upon you, and that word lavish, how many of you know what that word means? A couple of you? Lavish means it's excessive. I mean, it's, it's more than you could ever contain. It's more than you ever deserve. It's more than anything you could hope for. As God lavishes his love on us as disciples of Jesus, that love should go through us to other people. In other words, people around you should experience the love of God through you if you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. He goes on there and he states plainly in verse 8, he says that God is love. Now, that's a, that's a very bold statement right there because you know what that means? That means you and I don't get to define what love is. That means as a society, we don't get to define what love is. And I know right now as I say that, that is not a politically correct statement because we live in a world that will tell you love can be anything you want it to be and it can be any person you want it to be. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says God is love. That means God defines what love looks like. God defines what relationships look like. And that's something that we've got to make sure we pay attention to. Because when we talk about this idea of love, we don't have the luxury of making sure that we're politically correct. What we're called to as disciples of Jesus is people who stand firm on the truth of Scripture. So when we talk about this idea that God is love, then we've experienced his love as disciples, which means other people ought to experience his love because they are around us. Remember, he's fighting untruths, lies about God's word. So he's trying to help these believers that he wrote it to understand this is what God's word says. This is who God is, and there's no room for changing that. There's no room for making that into something else that we want it to be. And he says, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have experienced God's love, and it should come through you into the lives of other people. That's what he's talking about here. He's telling these believers, if you're able to love one another, despite your differences, Despite the pet peeves that you have where people just get on your last nerves because they're doing something that you can't stand, if you can look past that and love through that, then you can show people the love of Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love people unconditionally because guess what? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. And see, what we do is we, we live in a world that changes that statement. How we say God is love, the world tells you God is not love. The world tells you that love is God. You see the subtle difference there? Because when we start using that phrase or start believing not that God is love, but that love is God, what we have the ability to do at that point is we get to start picking apart who God is. Because if, you, if you've got this idea that, that God is love, when we say love is God, what we're saying is that love is equal to God himself. And what that does is that isolates love as something that can stand apart from God. And when we can start picking God apart, then God's not really God anymore, is he? That's why it matters that we understand what scripture says here. Because if we can pull love apart from God, then we can pull the other characteristics of God and who he is apart from God. And all of a sudden, there is no God. Do you see the dangerous road that we go down? 
That's why we've got to stick to the truth of what Scripture says. Yes, it does say God is love, but it also says all of those things that you said. God is holy. God is great. God is justice. God is creator. God is father, savior, son, life, light, wrath, righteous anger, healer, provider, sustainer, and so many other things that we see in Scripture. God is all of those things. When we say that God is love, excuse me, that love is God, what we do is we set up love as the goal to attain. If love is God, that is the thing we're pursuing. That is what we want most with our life. But scripture says that the other way around, God is love, which means it's not love we're pursuing, it's God we're pursuing. And as we pursue him, as we press into him, as we lean into that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, then we experience the love. Love is not the end goal. Pursuit of God is the end goal. And love is just a result of it. That's what John is helping us understand here. No matter how we approach it as a society, we can't change the fact that the only reason you and I can love is because God has loved us first. That's the only reason. Now, I will say this. There are people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. There may be some people in this room right now don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that those people can't love. They can't know what love is because we, we all, you know, before we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we, we love our family. We love our pets. We love all of these different things. But the love and the concept that we have before we know God is just a shadow of what the real thing is. It's, it's, it's a bad copy of the love that we know from God. That's why we have to understand what the distinction is between what we call love and what God actually shows us love actually looks like. And he shows us that in 1 John 4, starting in verse 9. He says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John is showing us here what the love of God actually looks like. He's saying God gave us a physical example when Jesus Christ did what he did on the cross and in the tomb. When he laid down his life, he was nailed to a cross. When he bled and died as a sacrifice for our sins, when he walked out of that tomb, his resurrection, when we experienced the forgiveness of our sins through what Jesus did, we understand this is what love looks like. That's an amazing picture. Think about the people that you love. Think about the extremes that you would go to to show them your love. You've still never gone this far. And you probably never will have to. That is what God did in order to show us His love. Because the truth is, what Scripture tells us is that without God, without His love, we're dead. How many in here like zombie movies? All those zombies bumping around, walking around. All their only purpose is to make more zombies. They're walking dead. Hey, before you know Jesus, you're walking dead. That's what Scripture says. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were dead in our sin, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It says the same thing in Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all, all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He says, you're dead in your sin, dead in your trespasses. When we are born, we are separated from God. We're separated from his character. We're separated from his nature. We're separated from his love. We're born with a natural desire to, to glorify and honor and please ourselves because we are born sinners and our sin separates us from God for eternity. But the problem is God created us to know him. God created us to experience his love. So God had to step in and take action. We can't take care of our sin problem because we are sinners and there's a debt that's already owed for our sin. It would be like this. If you got a credit card and you ran up a balance on that credit card and your solution to pay off that credit card was to get another credit card and transfer that balance and you just keep doing it over and over and over. You know what you keep getting? More debt. That's why you can't forgive your own sin. That's why you can't fix your own sin problem because you're already a sinner. And you don't have the ability to get rid of that sin. Someone has to act on your behalf. And it takes the sinless God of creation to step in and act for us. And to pay that debt that we can't pay. And he does that because he loves every single one of us. Think about that for a second. He does that because he loves you. Now... You may have parents, you may have people in your life that they tell you they love you, but what you've experienced isn't really love. God will never do that to you. When God says he loves you, he loves you. And he will never do anything to harm you. Your life may not always be comfortable. It may not go exactly the way that you want it to. But when you experience the love of God, you know that he holds you forever and nothing can take you away from him. That's what scripture tells us about the love of God and what he did with Jesus on the cross. He did so that we could experience that love. God knew you were going to be a sinner long before you were ever born. God knew before your parents ever met and decided they wanted to have a family that one day you would take a breath and you would be set against him. That's what scripture tells us. Psalm 139 verse 13, it talks about how God knew us in our mother's womb. He knit us together there. He already knew how we were going to be. And he still chose to do what he did with Jesus because he doesn't want any of us to stay dead in our sin. He wants us to trust him now, Satan, on the other hand, the enemy, as Scripture calls him over and over, he doesn't want you to know the love of God. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Satan doesn't want you to know God's love. Satan wants you to believe the lies that he tries to convince you of every day. 
The thoughts that creep into your head. I wrote some of these down. What I'm doing isn't really that bad. Maybe you've had that thought before. Or I'm not hurting anyone with what I'm doing. What I'm doing can't be wrong if it's this much fun and feels this good. Those are lies. Or how about this one? Maybe it's the opposite for you. You believe the lie that no one could love you after what you've done, not even God. That what has happened in your life, whether it was your decision or something that someone did to you, nobody could love you. And that's a lie. Because God does love you. Jesus proved that fact when he laid down his life on the cross to pay the penalty for the sin that's in your life and in my life. I want to read you a quote. There's a theologian by the name of John Stott. He's got a book. It's called The Cross of Christ, and he makes this statement. He says, For the very essence of sin, the very thing that it is, is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. That's love. That's God giving everything when we can give nothing so that we can know how much he loves us. And then he goes on in 1 John verse 9, he says, For God so loved the world. Excuse me, I'm skipping over. In 1 John 9, he's referencing John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But then he goes on in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's through Jesus Christ that we're saved. It's through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and what he did when he walked out of the tomb. He paid the debt that we owe for sin. And it's on the cross and out of the tomb that every lie we believe that Satan, the enemy, would convince us of dies. Every lie that would tell you you are unlovable, that you don't deserve God, that you don't deserve what Jesus has done, Every one of those lies dies at the foot of the cross. Because Scripture tells us that Jesus became a living sacrifice, that big word, a propitiation for our sins, so that you could know God, you could know His love, and experience His mercy, and experience His grace. And then he finishes in this section, verse 11 of 1 John 4. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What John is saying there is that love that you've experienced from God, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, you've been forgiven of your sin, you know what love looks like in your life. If you have experienced that, you have a responsibility to show it to other people. We're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. I heard a, uh, um, maybe you guys have heard of Penn and Teller before. Um, it's a magician duo that does a lot of really cool magic. And I watched a video by one of these guys at one time, and he's, he's a proclaimed atheist. He does not believe in God. But he made this statement. He was talking to somebody who said they believed in Jesus. And the statement he made was, he said, how much would you have to hate someone 
not to tell them about the God that you say is the most important thing in your life. If you say that your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to you and you know God loves you, how much would you have to hate someone not to tell them about the love of God? See, when we experience the love of God, it's supposed to show through us. It's supposed to go out into the lives of other people. So not not that we get the glory for it, but so that other people can see who God is. And to give us the opportunity to tell them, hey, I have this love. I can show this love because of the love that's been given to me. That's what he's talking about here. When we experience the nature of God in our lives, when we know this love, others must and should see that love come through us. And as we do that, it sets us apart from a world that does not know God. That's why he says right there, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You will not be perfect, but you will get to show the perfect love of God to somebody else. That's what scripture shows us right here. As we receive love from God, it should serve as a reminder of how undeserving of that love we are. Because none of us deserve that. Your parents, they love you because they want to, not because you deserve it. Trust me, there's days they probably think you deserve everything but their love, depending on how you've acted. Some of y'all, you know who I'm talking to. (laughs) But what you need to understand is we never did and can never do anything to warrant the love of God. And yet we go back to that word lavished. He has lavished it upon us. And as we understand that, and as we grasp the enormity of how deep and full God's love is in our life for us and how undeserving we are, it should push us to show the love of God to other people. If you sit here tonight and you truly know God's love in your life, then you have to show it to others. That means those people that get on your nerves. That means those people that you, those people that you don't want to be around those people that nobody else thinks is deserving of anybody's love. We are called to show people with our words and with our lives. And when you do that, you show a world that doesn't know Christ. You show other believers who may be confused about who God actually is. You show them love because you're showing them what God's done in your life. So the one question I have for you tonight is this as we close. Will you choose to love others because of the love that God has shown you? Will you choose to love that annoying person in class? Will you choose to love your little brother, your little sister, who you really just want to throw a punch sometimes? Will you choose to love the people that everybody makes fun of at school? Will you choose to show the love of God to other people because of the love that God has shown you? Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with loving people. You know God loves you. You know you've put your faith and trust in Him. But man, you have a hard time showing that love. And maybe you'd like somebody to pray for you about that. That's what those orange cards are for in your seat. Write down the name of that person. Say, God, help me love. You fill in the blank. And they come up here and drop it in the basket because these adults in this room, they do pray for you when you fill those cards out. But as you drop that in the basket, maybe stop for a minute. 
get on your knees and ask God to help you show love. Maybe there's somebody in this room that you need to show love to tonight. When we get up, when we start singing, go tell them. Just say, God loves you, and so do I. Guys, we have to love. And we have to love because God loved us. Will you do that tonight? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can come together. And God, I pray right now that you'll help us. Help us to show your love. God, help us to know. Help us to know the love that you give us in our lives because of what your son has done. And God, help us not to hold that love back. Help us to let it flow freely from us through our words, through our actions, so that you get the glory, so that people know you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.